0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. It's the Charlotte game. Tonight, they take on FAU. And Fiddy asked me where my cutoff was. I told him I left it at home. It's Wes. But what if I tell you I didn't? Oh. No, no, you're not that smooth. What if I tell you that I'm wearing it right now? Get ready to tailgate at
2: 4:30. Let's go. Let's go,
3: 49ers. And Walker.
2: Yeah, baby. Oh, Get off
3: the oh, wait. Wait. Hold get on. on. Get Hold on. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Hold on. Guys, let's, let's, go. Yeah. Oh, let's go. <laughs> we live on a Friday. Diddy, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. Yeah.
2: The Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, text line jumping as always. Keep them coming, 704-570-9016. A 704 number says, Yeah, Wes, players co-signing for a coach goes a long way. A lot of those New York Giants players love John Fox. And that's a good debate to have at, at some point about which Panthers coach, especially with all the love that Canales is getting, was the most kind of play as coach, you could say. People love Ron Rivera. No doubt about it. No Uh, doubt. Ron was great.
1: It's why, I mean, it, it was a soapbox. I know Molly was talking about this too all the time, but like when you would have a change like that and David Tepper comes in and David Tepper tells you, we need to change the culture. Like the culture really wasn't the problem at that point. I understood why he fired Ron Rivera. I get it. The defense wasn't performing as well. This is when we go to David Tepper being the lead man behind changing to an odd man front. Telling Ron Rivera what to do with his defense. But that culture was not compromised. And all those players were sad to see him go. And then you bring in Matt Rule? Yeah, man. They love Ron Rivera. That would be my answer.
2: Yeah, and I was going to be uh, Matt Rule is going to be my vote or George Seifert. Yeah, I bet both, <laughs> both of those went so well.
1: Frank Reich too. Frank Reich had a great relationship. Honestly, maybe with maybe with Bryce because Bryce really did feel bad about Frank Wright getting fired, mm-hmm. and he felt partly responsible. Maybe, but I, I feel like those guys had a good enough relationship. I don't think he had a great relationship with the coaches, though. I think we can you know be pretty confident about that.
2: All right, folks, a lot to talk about in a little bit of time. Let's go to the campus, Kona. All right, we talked about it start to start the show off. The North Carolina Tar Heels, they go down at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. 80-76 to is the second ever win on the road against the Tar Heels and also the highest-ranked opponent Clemson has beaten on the opponent's home court since January 21st, 1976, an 82-77 win at number 2 Maryland. P.J. Hall, Spartanburg's finest, had 25 points, nine rebounds. Joe Girard had 21 points, connecting on five threes. He was hitting some daggers last night. Ian Shefflin also had a double-double, and Clemson finished with 14 assists and just five turnovers. And that oh, goofy was the thing. Shefflin. Both teams kind of <laughs> did not turn the ball over a ton, uh, Carolina only had six turnovers on the evening, but they shot 36.9% from the floor, a second lowest shooting percentage of the season. Uh, also, Armando Bacot, we talked about him, double double, 24 points, 13 rebounds. RJ Davis, 22 points. He did pass Michael Jordan last night, though, for 15th in North Carolina scoring history with 1794 points. The Tar Heels now moved to 60 and two. In Chapel Hill, including 29-2 and in the Smith Center versus the Tigers. So when we look at this thing last night, what is the panic meter, if any, for the Tar Heels? Their lead has now been cut to a game. We talked about Virginia being hot on their trail. Duke is now, I believe, just a game back of them as well with another matchup against the Tar Heels. Does this ACC championship look like a foregone conclusion like it once did? No,
1: it, it's not a foregone conclusion.
2: And what's your panic meter 1-10? to ten? It's not turned up a ton, but
1: it's definitely turned up more than what it was against Georgia Tech. Okay. So you lose against Georgia Tech, fine. I didn't expect them to run the table in the ACC. I expected them to have one loss against Duke. And then, maybe another loss somewhere on the road. So probably two, maybe at most three. Now, that can still happen as they just have two conference losses right now. It's definitely not a foregone conclusion. I would say I turn it up if it was at a zero, if we start at zero, right? I would say I turn it up to about I don't know, maybe a three and a half four like there three. I'd go three and three and a half. So for me, Cormac Ryan is this thing is starting to be a little bit of a trend for him, just not shooting well at all. You're talking about Boston College under 40% from the field. Wake Forest, Florida State, Georgia Tech, he was awful. Just a little bit above 40% against Duke when he goes 3 of 7. 1 of 10 last night. Cormac Ryan, he just needs to hit shot. I saw a video on Twitter saying it, too. He's right. Like, at some point, he's got to hit open shots. And there were just too many times where it feels like the confidence is affecting some of those things. And if he doesn't hit, and Harrison Ingram isn't hitting at least enough for you to win then you still just put so much on the shoulders of R.J. Davis out there on the perimeter. And they didn't allow R.J. Davis to get many lanes driving to the basket. They did a good job of closing up those driving lanes. And R.J. had to go to the floater. The floater wasn't working for him. If it wasn't some ridiculous three, then R.J. was not going to hit a basket for you. So I, it's it's a little worrisome. No tremble last night. I actually do think that's a decent size deal, especially out there on the perimeter. Elliot Cadeau, I'm with you. Not a great last three halves from Elliott Cadeau. I thought first half against Duke, he was actually good, not second, and then this game he wasn't. So, a couple perimeter players, Wes. I'm just turned up a little
2: bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. Well, the thing, too, that caught my eye about this, and my panic meter is right around where yours is, it's about a four. And so when you look at this thing, Hubert Davis talked about after their game that teams are starting to be more physical with R.J. Davis. And I think that's going to be important going forward because is that the blueprint to slowing him down? And then you look at Elliott Cadeau you're not getting enough offensively from him to offset that or to be enough of an offensive threat to help take some of the pressure off of RJ. When it comes to the perimeter right now, if you're not getting three-pointers from Harrison Ingram, you're not getting three-pointers from Cormac Ryan, and if Elliot Cadell can't give you enough production, it all falls on RJ, and eventually that's going to weigh on him enough to where it's going to affect his play, and you don't want that to happen in the NCAA tournament. When they come out there, and it's all on him, and he's getting no help, and he just really has to depend on Armando uh, for other offense in the basketball game, which was pretty much the case last night, and so that's why I find this to be interesting, and I thought that was interesting Hubert Davis's assessment because RJ Davis isn't a big guy. When you look at him, he is not, you know, a six-five, six-six two guard. Or combo guard that can go in there and really just mix it up and impose his will. He's a guy that's going to play out on the perimeter. He's got the floater, like you said, and he will drive. He's got the heart to drive but if you are continually physical with him, it can wear on him throughout the course I of the game.
1: I, I I don't worry as much about R.J. Davis with the other team being as physical with him. like I Because he's tough as hell. Like R.J. has shown that throughout his college it's career. He was
2: 7-22 last
1: night. But I, I think it's because it's just tough shots. I, I don't think it's because R.J. is getting... like The physicality, it bothers him just like it would anybody.
2: The physicality
1: coming against R.J. Davis, what bothers me about it is that other guys have to step up, and they didn't. So if you're just going to force him to have to take these bad shots, which I have not loved the shot selection from him from him the last few games, everybody else is going to have to hit those open looks. Cormac's not doing it. Cadeau can't shoot. Can you trust Trimble enough to do it from the outside enough? And those are the questions that you have. I, I don't I don't worry about Davis getting bothered by the physicality. I do worry a little bit about the shot selection and how others can also hit those open looks or not.
2: All right, Fitty, the floor is yours. Panic meter and everything else that we've discussed about this game. I, I think
4: it's fair to say it's at a, a five, six. You can even go as high as a seven. What be- about an eight? Because um I'm eight, <laughs> nine, so, whoo, keep 10, going. Eleven. All right, keeps going. Um, I mean, because it's two out of three, you'd been trending towards getting beaten by by the time you lost the Georgia Tech game anyway, which made sense. It's hard to go on a long winning streak in college basketball. I did not think the fifth oldest team, a team that's got a 25 year old, a 24 year old and a 22 year old would look that bad last night. Like I thought we were past that. I thought we had finally matured under Huber Davis and effort wasn't going to be an issue. And at some point, man, Huber's got to put... Guys on the bench for taking bad, stupid shots. Like Cormac, you're one of 10 from, from three. And I know that shooter shoot, and you got to shoot yourself out of a slump. But when you put the ball on the floor and you hit the mid range shot, that should have been your telltale sign quit jacking threes. And so it's it was pretty frustrating to watch. And it's not getting any easier. Like Saturday, you're placing the same team that Clemson was, except it's on the road. They need a win over you if they want to go dancing. You got to go to Virginia, you got to go to Duke. So it, it's 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 cause to be concerned and I don't think winning an ACC regular season title is as much as a given as it was 2 weeks ago.
2: All right. And so uh also last night in other college basketball action, we talked about the Demon Deacons coming out jumping on Georgia Tech early despite only shooting 23% from the field from 3, they get a 80 to 51 win South Carolina beat Ole Miss 68. To 65, I sound like I'm doing score updates like I used to do back in the day. And then the Charlotte 49ers, like I said, they lost that game uh, by three points to South Florida on the road. But what was your biggest takeaway from the night as far as the local teams and what they were able to go out and do? I'm definitely going to go
1: check in on the 49ers. It was a big game against an 8-1 and one team. I mean, b- besides talking North Carolina losing, right, as we move on from that, the next one for me is watching my alma mater just not execute well down the stretch. Igor Milicic just straight up airball in that three. That was a quick trigger. You had plenty of time left. In fact, you had so much time left. You fouled and then had enough time for a legit look the next possession and igor decides to throw that thing up from distance while it was contested good defense by south florida but as the broadcaster pointed out last night felt like there was room to drive and milicic is good at driving the basketball hit a really fun left-handed layup a little under scoop under the arm that was fun to watch earlier And I just didn't feel like they executed well going to Deshaun Jackson. And I felt like you should have done that a little more so. Lukei Patterson having the flagrant foul, trying to make something happen, and it just didn't go. Are you looking at them
2: differently now? No,
1: no, no, no. I can't do that after a game. But also a terrible turnover, too, out there near the half-court line. Wes, Charlotte lost this game, man. I even South Florida could have pulled away a little bit earlier, but they missed a lot of free throws. They missed certainly a handful. It felt like Charlotte really lost this one and usually I'm used to them coming back from 20 points down and actually winning in close stretches. They didn't do it last night.
2: Yeah, they surrendered an 11-1 to run over the final 4:41 41 uh, of that basketball game. That was
1: the second run, I think, too. I think South yeah. Florida went on like some 10-3 run. South Florida that.
2: just kept kind of just chipping away, chipping away, and then Charlotte would answer and they chip away, chip away some more and then just late in the game, man. They just caused that collapse.
1: You're giving me some stank face over there, Fiddy.
4: Walker, I'm sorry, man. He said, what, 11 11-1 run the last 440 of the game? Yeah, it was bad. That's when I turned in.
2: Oh no! <laughs>
4: yeah, by the time I got done doing Clemson post game, I got to it, and no, this, uh, I'm sure that,
2: you were exhausted with all
1: the yelling, cussing, throwing stuff, and, all and that. You were, and you were just as passionate watching my Niners, I'm sure. Well, I, I now, was,
4: now I'll tell you what the, the the pick and roll that they blew that gave South Florida the
1: lead. You're talking about Milicic missing the three, or no? The
4: pick and roll. Remember, they, they, you're up sixty eight, or sixty nine, sixty eight. Okay. They run a ball screen. No one switches. Easy layup. Forget. I lost my mind on that because I was like. Whoa. That's pretty bad defense in that moment. but oh, Jackson was late. I got yeah. Yeah, yeah, but 441, that's when I turned I turn the game on. So this might be on me. So I'm glad <laughs> you
1: said that because I actually felt bad about this tuning in when I did. I was like, man, we just had Mike Hill on, too, after we talked about all of the good things happening with this program. But I'm glad that it was actually specifically you and not the entire show because <laughs> they went on that poor run once you tuned in.
2: Yeah, man. And so, uh, obviously, my takeaway, too, I enjoyed all of the games last night. Awake, Wake, man, I'm excited to see if they continue to play this way on the road. They've got some really important basketball games coming up, but two and five on the road. But that that performance last night, I just loved what I saw as far as the intensity and the way that they attacked this basketball game. Obviously, with that huge start to the game, they outscored Georgia Tech by 26 in the first half. And so I just thought that you got a total team effort. And the thing I was most excited about was the 17 assists to eight turnovers because if this team shares the basketball and plays a free-flowing offense and not just your turn, my turn type of basketball that I've been complaining about, I feel like that this team uh, can make some moves. But when we come back, folks, going to be on and popping. What if Bryce Young's first two seasons were like Brock Purdy? We're going to talk about that and more oh my God. on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.
0: and everything in between.
2: Welcome back to the show that is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Keep the text coming 704-570-9610. Hit follow on those social buttons if you want to see the war cries. You want to see some of the foolishness that goes on behind the scenes here. Follow us on WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram at Westbarn underscore 72 at Walker and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And most importantly, the West and Walker page on Twitter. So going to the text line, my man, Heat fan my guy, you know, he comes in. I teased before the break. What if Bryce Young? Had the first two seasons that Brock Purdy has had, what would that be? Like? Right? Now, here we go. Let's get it cracking. Super Bowl 58 is Sunday. Kicks off at 630. Niners and Chiefs. And he says, give Bryce Purdy weapons and Bryce winning MVP. Give Bryce Brock Purdy's weapons and yep. Bryce's winning MVP. And I responded, of course. Ha ha. <laughs> well, then, why didn't it Jimmy G it or life. Nate Mullins or Trey Lance win it? Hmm. Well, I was a little bit inspired this morning listening to some of the talk about the game. And a point was brought to me that I never even thought of. And so they were talking about the NFL draft and they were talking about Brock Purdy and his game. And they said if Caleb Williams came into the league and had the first two seasons that Brock Purdy's had, took his team to the Super Bowl, we would be talking about him like he was just the greatest thing to enter the league since sliced bread. Walk, I see your looks already. So that got me to thinking about that, too, because I've never seen anything like it, just how polarizing he is. We see it on the text line, how polarizing Brock Purdy has been, even though he's not a controversial guy in the least. Humble, doesn't talk any trash like that. And so a couple of numbers to give you so we can get into this. Topic. So he was estimated by ESPN and NFL.com at the start of the season to be the 12th or 15th best quarterback this season in the league. But he finished first in passer rating, first in QBR, first in yards per attempt. Only six quarterbacks in NFL history have had a higher single season yards per attempt. Only 10 quarterbacks in NFL history have had a higher single season passer rating than what he's had. He set the all-time record for the 49ers single season passing yards and passer rating. And just such historic numbers. And so you look at his record as a starter, 21-5 and five, uh, as a starter. I saw yesterday he's got the highest playoff passer rating since 1991. But yet people continue to move the goalposts and say, oh, he's he's not that special and he's, he's not all that good. But again, it's the power of perception like I talked about yesterday. I read this in the chapter in 50 Cent's last book. And he talked about the power of perception. And you look at him, Mr. Relevant, last pick of the draft. And it's like that's the number one reason that people try to take away from him because if the roles were reversed and he was a number one overall pick or he was a first-round pick, people would be saying he is the reason that they're in this spot. And so, you know, in the spirit of the Super Bowl and everything that's going on, I ask you, Panther fans, with all of your hate that you hit me with on the text line because I get a lot of it, but if Bryce Young came out and put up these type of numbers in his first two seasons, was four and one in the playoffs, and put up the type of stats that he had this season. Forty two hundred yards passing, thirty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions, four touchdowns to one interception this year in the playoffs, got his team to the Super Bowl. You guys would have a statue for this man outside of Bank of America already. Tell me I'm capping, Walker May. Go ahead and go ahead and tell me some nonsense. You're capping Oh, my God. You told me to tell you that. Tell me why. why. Go ahead. Well,
1: first of all, mm -hmm, you decided to use this segment as a Brock Purdy is awesome.
2: Well, no, but I'm saying, <laughs> like but this you, is what we do. We take we take polarizing topics no, and we put the Panthers in.
1: You came in with your Trojan horse saying this is going to be about Bryce Young. And then you came in and then you wanted to rattle off Brock Purdy stats all across the board. I mean, isn't the topic, your what guy? if his
2: first two seasons were like Brock Purdy's? I got to let people know how the first two seasons have gone.
1: Yeah, that's true. Brock Purdy has been good. I think the, the, great, the great divide with Brock Purdy all comes down to when we try to talk about this guy. And then we try to figure out how he measures up to some of the best QBs in the league. Pam Holmes, Lamar Jackson, Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, whoever you want to put up there, right? I'm just saying when we try to compare him to those guys, and if some people who evaluate Brock Purdy as good, but not top five, then it's disrespect. Mm -hmm. But if you say that Brock Purdy is good and you don't don't see him in the same as the top five convo... Mm -hmm. I don't think it's disrespect, but I think you view that as very, very disrespectful. Not that I, you,
2: you don't have to have him in the top five for me. You, you don't have to have that.
1: I think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Right. The I, good part.
2: Well, see, that's disrespectful.
1: That's it what I'm is. saying. It is. That's what I'm saying. The numbers are crazy. So I think a lot of that has to do mm-hmm. with, I think Brock Purdy is the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has had in San Francisco, and I don't think it's close. Well, I, I mean, they haven't had... Well, tan and Young. But if I asked you last year, you would have told me something different with Jimmy no, G. I like you would Jimmy have hated G. that. I like,
2: I like, no, but I told you now, and I don't, I told you how much I love Jimmy G, but I did say he makes the critical mistake. I've always said that. Oh, yeah, but but Wes, right. hold on. Jimmy we, G was my guy, no question. He was your guy. Yes.
1: And you couldn't, I, anytime I tried to say anything bad about him, you had something ready to go. Because you, you would treat him like, like he was hot garbage. Well, and what was he with the Raiders? Okay, but we like
2: that's Aiden not O'Connell what he was in,
1: in the in the Bay, though. We, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's okay. what no, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. No, that's exactly making my point. Okay, it's not what he was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Serviceable, mm-hmm. like good enough. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan coach, like he was scared to death to let him throw downfield, and sure. he doesn't. He doesn't he do sure. that with Brock Purdy. Yes, he lets Brock Purdy sling it a little bit. It's Brock is different in the sense that I think it's completely inaccurate to say that he's a game manager. I don't think that. I think game, game manager those guys are afraid to make some of the throws that lend themselves more to turnovers. I also don't put Brock Purdy into this category where Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and the best in the league are. And I think that is an argument for Brock Purdy uh, <laughs> defenders. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people do put Brock Purdy up in that light. Maybe not Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. but, but going else, going somewhere near that category. I, the stats are great. You went through a lot of them. I think they are void of context too when you talk about the screen game, him at like this is but listen, listen just real quickly. Okay. When you have the yards per, per reception mm-hmm. being grossly more than any other QB because of the screen game too, and that's uh-huh. a fact as well. Uh huh. That goes into what you're talking about. Uh-huh. It also but this is this is you sticking your tongue out, rolling your eyes, right? Or think sticking on sec- not to Well, shame. hold on one second. When that
2: happens, mm-hmm. you don't hear that. You hear disrespect. I hear but, first in the league in yards per attempt. Right. So that deads the screen game argument. No, but that's –
1: okay, but that goes into the attempts. When you pick up all those yards based off of the screen game, too, like you're also talking about what Brock Purdy is doing with giving the ball to Debo Samuel.
2: Now, if we want to go air they yards They might throw per attempt, two to three screens to Debo per game. It might throw one to two to McCaffrey. Maybe. Oh, what well, <laughs> – we got into this argument too. Anyways, let's talk about it. I don't know because the main question though is if Bryce yeah. Young put up these numbers and had that record and had the Panthers in the Super Bowl. You're right. I let's let's focus on the. He question.
1: would be a god. You're right. I didn't. I don't think so. I think we would have this question about because Tua was drafted three, right? Uh-huh. Like, let's go to Tua. Mm-hmm. Tua was drafted what? Third overall. I think real, so, yeah. There are real questions about what Tua's doing. Right. Tua is in this offense that puts up a bunch of points. If your argument is solely postseason record, then okay, that's different because Tua doesn't have the postseason record. But we're questioning Tua despite putting up some pretty crazy numbers with that Miami Dolphins offense. We can go to Brock Purdy, and this is just a fact. It's not meaning to be disrespectful. Mm. Brock Purdy has shown up in the second half of these games. Mm -hmm. But, man, it was pretty bad the first half of both of these last playoff games that we saw. We still question these guys, and we try to include context of what's around them. And so Bryce Young, having this skill talent
2: around him compared to Brock Purdy,
1: mean uh-huh. it's night and day. Juwan Jennings would be our best
2: receiver. Okay, and he's right. like your fourth. But I'm saying that, and I get that. And, and like I said, like I said to Heat fan, that I, I just don't understand when people try to say that why other quarterbacks couldn't do that. But I get Bryce Young is a different ilk. But Walker, you can't tell me. With the way that this town has been devoid of superstars, we've had one real superstar quarterback in this city since the Panthers have been around, and that was even short lived. If we had a quarterback that came in and had the type of production, Fiddy, you can get in on this too. If you had, if Bryce Young had come in and done what Brock has done the first two years, this man would be the toast. You mean go to the postseason? He would be yeah. the, no, 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 not just the postseason. Putting up dominant statistics in route to NFC Championship games, which he's been to two now, and the Super Bowl, he would be lauded as one of the greatest athletes to come to Charlotte since God knows when. Fitty, what what are your thoughts on this?
4: If if he was doing what Brock was doing, he he, he this is what you drafted him to do. And so I think I think there's a difference there. Like Brock wasn't drafted to be what he became. They just kind of fell into it. Because my opinion of him has changed from midseason. To I was a game manager. Game managers don't do what he did in the postseason. Brock Purdy's elite. I, I told you after he beat Detroit, I take him over Lamar, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, all those dudes. So if, if Bryce, but if Bryce were to do it, like that's what you drafted Bryce to do. You drafted Bryce to take you to the postseason, you drafted Bryce to win the division and to get you to the Super Bowl. And so, um, he doesn't have the situation that Brock has around him. Um, I, I think the more interesting conversation is if you want to have the Brock Bryce comparison, whatever it is, is what would Bryce Young look like in, in Kyle Shanahan's offense? And I believe that the numbers would be similar to what Brock Purdy's put
1: up. I think that's the more interesting combo, too, because what happens here is if we go with Brock, it, yeah, you're asking, like, it's really hard to compare because of how different these makeups are. Mm-hmm. We're also going off the context that you're right. The Panthers have been without a good QB. Teddy Bridgewater in that first half gave us the best stretch of quarterbacking that we've had since Cam Newton got us to the postseason in 2017.
4: Never going to respect Sam Darnold going 5-2, and two, are you? 5-2? and two? Not compared to what Teddy did. The
2: first, what was anyways, but like that's but Oh, that, which also lends to my argument. How good does Sam Darnold look in that offense? Why couldn't he do what Brock did? Well because just saying. what well, did he even how many uh games? they played they played Debo and them played the first half. So okay. Not the same.
1: You win the argument that Brock Purdy is better than Sam Darnold. You win that. Okay. No, don't so, try I to did, minimize
2: it. You try to minimize he's better than Sam Darnold. Okay. Is that what you were just arguing? No, I'm like, just saying. Okay, but, like, no, but, every, that. No, but the thing Darno is that isn't everybody. As as no, Hardy. but the thing is everybody tries to act like anybody can get in this offense and do that. And that to me is just to you, just to be blunt is the stupidest argument I've ever heard in my life. Wes,
1: but here we are talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and where did they just go to like a few years
2: ago? Jimmy Garoppolo, who can't even. Right, beat and his now, numbers weren't even O'Connell. close, and the offense wasn't even close to what it is now. But here we are talking about. Well, Jimmy, man, look, this is... It's this, not the same.
1: But, Wes, you have sat there in that chair. When we went down the list of what Jimmy Garoppolo was putting up stat-wise, what was it, like 27 and 11? He had and some were,
2: decent seasons. Well, no, but, see,
1: but not is, like this This is crazy land, though, now. No, because it's not. Now, now we're switching roles of now. I'm trying to tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo did put up some of those numbers, and you are all about those numbers when
2: we had this debate no, a while ago. what I'm saying is, that, and I always told you, he always made the critical mistake. But as a 49er fan, you can ask any 49er fan, with Jimmy G at quarterback, they hoped that the Niners would Brock go down and Purdy score. Has been with Brock with Purdy, it too, you know that they're gonna put up points. But
1: no, and and Brock Purdy is better. I'm like, this is the whole disrespect stuff. But I'm just like, saying the whole thing with Bryce ahead. Young
2: because we're getting away from the main argument. I don't agree in the least that if if Bryce Young had done what Brock Purdy has done in his first two seasons, he would be a god here. So, There's right, no debating that. Okay. Yes. And if, I'm not talking about if he had Brock's weapons or nothing like that. But that I'm has to about, be a part of no, the equation. No. I'm talking about in Carolina, if he had the requisite weapons and he was doing everything that Brock has done with his team, you could put any yeah. weapons you want out there. But if he was doing that, the perception would be totally different. You wouldn't be saying, oh, Bryce Young's just all right, or he's just a part of an offense that – he just gets it to the playmakers and they make him look good. You wouldn't be saying that. You'd be saying Bryce Young is that guy. He's phenomenal. He's the franchise quarterback. And we got us a guy that we're going to have multiple Super Bowls with. So, yeah, if you're trying to – That's what I'm saying. Okay, (laughs) I'm trying
1: to tell you. If Brock Purdy – if Bryce Young was in San Francisco's system, I think that's the more – that's the question to have. Like, if we're trying to say Bryce Young – Fine, like put whatever team you want to here. You're right. We would be much happier with Bryce Young going. What was it? 31 and 11, with over 4,000 passing yards Mm -hmm. and all
2: of the average yards per attempt, air. 21 and five as a starter. Yeah, two NFC titles, two NFC Championship games, a Super Bowl appearance. So
1: there you go, though. Bringing up the team stats of this, of like, of of course we would love it. Yeah. I'm just trying to connect the perception. No, I'm just, like, to me, I don't even know how to have this conversation, to be honest with you. Let me go for a second. Because if you're doing this with team perspective, with team Uh success, with going to the Super Bowl, duh. Like, of course we would love what Bryce is doing. Okay,
2: then. That's all
1: I've been trying to get you to say. But if you're trying to then put in context because— these games are televised, and we get to watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so with the power of television, we get to see that Debo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are special skill players that when you get the football in their hands, they make a lot of things happen. You keep bringing up, they didn't do it with Nick Mullins. They didn't bring do it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, Trey Debo. Lance, Sam Donald. Trey Lance didn't beat out. No, yeah, Trey Lance wasn't good. Like, we didn't even see him. But man, we definitely saw Debo Samuel put up like a little bit of an MVP type season with his MV, with his wide receiver running back duo with Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw George Kittle put up monster numbers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, we're seeing that stuff too. And that was what? How many years did they have Tra- Trent Williams? Pr- he might have been there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you want to say Bryce Young would be lauded for playing well, like, Brock Purdy's playing well. Am I going to put Bryce Young top five? With this type of success, no, and that's
2: where the ultimate combo comes. in. Yeah, I think you would. The way you give it up for Bryce Young, I think you would. Me? I think you would. Yeah, well, I think you would. Both like. I'm just Bryce saying if he Young. if he came in with the expectations that we have for I him, I gave coming him a worse grade season, than you did this year. No, but I'm saying if we, <laughs> no, I'm saying that if we, if I get hold up, if I give it up for him more than you, like you gave him a better grade than I did. No, but what I'm saying is that because I know what I would say, I'm I'm not even debating it. I'd be saying Bryce Young is that mofo. So I'm just saying that. If you that that that's the only thing I've been trying to point in is just the power of perception of the two guys and the fact that he's but perceived it, the way he's perceived because he's mr. Irrelevant. I just, and then if yeah. Bryce Young did this. Y'all would be saying that he's the catalyst and not just a guy that's riding people's coattails. I just, yeah, okay, there's, there's no way.
1: Know, well, I don't even know how to argue it though, right? Like, just because this argument is so full of
2: and isn't, and it wasn't necessarily for you. It was just for... no, no. But I'm, but but it is. We and this is
1: sometimes we do like it's not for me, but I'm solely in this group you're talking to, so it is to me, like because I I really am. I mean, I like, put it I, out
2: there. You agree or disagree?
1: So I, for Brock, like here we are just talking about you know Brock Purdy is top five. We would love Bryce Young if he was doing. like man look i think brock purdy has been playing well they have a real chance to win this game way more than they did with jimmy garoppolo he's not a game manager i've tried to beat that down as an opinion because he actually throws outside of the numbers kyle shanahan is not scared to death to let this guy throw because he's way better as a scrambler we saw him in the second half bryce brock purdy absolutely contributes in a big way to how they win but it's crazy to think that we're talking about the San Francisco team as anything other than having by far the best skill positions on, on the squad. Brock Purdy helps him, and he's helped by what is a good offensive line, the best left tackle in the league, maybe the best play caller in the league, the best group of wide receivers, especially with the versatility that you have in Debo Samuel. And it's okay to say that Brock Purdy benefits a lot from that. But if we want to say that Bryce Young doing this kind of stuff, yeah, we would like Bryce Young a lot as well if the team looked like San Francisco. But they don't. In fact, nobody does. And that's why it's
2: so weird to try to compare what Bryce is doing and what Brock Purdy is doing. But it's not. I think you're overcomplicating it. All I'm saying is that the perception of said player, if I gave you a a blind resume and said this, if if we were fortune tellers and we sat there in the draft and when he got picked number one. The games are televised. But what what I'm saying is is that if we were sitting at the draft and I told you he's going to do this and this is going to happen for the Panthers, in his first two seasons, with and, Brandon Ayuk, with Debo so, Samuel, with George Kittle, with Trent Williams, with Kyle Shanahan, and I've never said he doesn't benefit from it. See, that's what I'm saying. But see, you go and then you try to say, "Oh, he's a good player. He's part of the reason they win." But then you go say what you said just now. But that's not what the argument has been. And I feel like you keep missing my point. I, I I'm not really saying don't I don't it care is. about. I don't know how you don't know. It's simple. I'm not saying about the weapons or who is involved. I'm saying it could be in Carolina, Chicago, anywhere. You can put any weapons you want. You can pick Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin, whoever you want. I'm just saying if the individual quarterback, with all of the credit that we give to the quarterback when they win, I've been simply saying from the beginning, I don't know if I hadn't been saying it well enough. I'm just saying that if Bryce Young had the accomplishments team and individually, that Brock Purdy has had, we would we would crown Bryce Young as one of if, the greats in the game. That's we, all if, I've been if, trying if, to if say. If
1: we didn't consider everything else that goes into it, win, let me ask you this. There's a reason that you get mad at me for having Jared Goff so far down. There's a reason you get mad at me because I don't I do not do this as, oh, they're winning. Let me give it up for all and the QBs. And they're balling. Well, okay, but so when you're telling me that I would do this for Bryce, I don't do it for some of the other QBs that are winning like this. Like, why wouldn't I do it for Jared Goff? Mm-hmm. Jared Goff had a good year, too. Like, I, and even in the playoff game, it was Josh Reynolds dropping. He made plays that I haven't seen him make before. I'm going to give him credit, um. but it's basically asking us to completely forget everything else that's going on. If Brock Purdy, if you just looked at a box score, hell,
2: anybody can just look at a box score with first and then round and say, hey Bryce Young must be doing it. With his first thing. round quarterbacks, we don't sit around and talk about the weapons they have. We don't sit, I around, did, I we do don't sit around we don't sit around and do it with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know who we is, but I do it with you. When, when's the last time we talked about Patrick Mahomes and you brought up the weapons he had? Never. A lot. Never. You I ain't never you ain't never brought up the weapons he had and said that's the reason he's playing so Where's, well. We never
1: Wes, we got in an argument because you got mad because we brought up, you brought up this whole contract thing about Pat Mahomes having a big contract, and that's why they couldn't pay wide receivers, and mm-hmm. you held that against Pat. And I was telling you, because they didn't have good enough wide receivers, that's what's more impressive. It's, in fact, the opposite of true what you're saying. I've
2: never heard you bring up the but weapons I'm bring- for Patrick Mahomes' success. Well, and, and plus, you going to put up Purdy on the Pat Mahomes level? I ain't saying that, right. but I'm just saying we don't sit around and talk well, about right. guys that were picked in the first round Cause saying, we that, saying that they Cause are the reason or they're not the reason their team is so good. We've never done that. That's all I'm saying. Take us a break. I don't know why that's so complicated, but when we come back, we're going to go to L.A. Night because it's getting wrestling-like in here, WWE-like, so we're going to go to a real WWE wrestler. L.A. Night on the other side. This is... The Wesson Walker Show, a.k.a. WWE, on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McKrispy, only at McDonald's
1: ba da ba ba ba
0: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new and everything in between.
2: Bryant here and WWE SmackDown will be coming to the Spectrum Center on Friday night. It airs on 8 o'clock on Fox. It's going to be a fantastic time. Get your tickets. But with me right here for this interview, I have a world heavyweight champion and tag team champion in multiple different promotions. He's an actor, an entertainer, and one of the best in the game on the MIC. He was ESPN's Breakthrough Wrestler of the Year. In 2023, his finishing moves have been the gravy train, the bottom rung, the BFT, aka blunt force trauma. I have none other than L.A. Knight. Yeah. L.A., what's going on, man?
3: Man, oh, man. All right. That is uh, a hell of a uh, uh, intro right there. I don't even know if I should be here right now. I got to leave.
2: <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, listen, you began your career in 2003. You signed with the WWE in 2013. i telling everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you were released in 2014. You were in TNA, NWA twice, Impact. You rejoined the WWE in 2021 to now being one of the hottest, if not the hottest things in the WWE. Try to briefly describe your journey and the, the perseverance you had through it all.
3: Man, you, you know, I, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's tough to describe, but, you know, I, I, I finished college early. Uh, I went for a year, tried to go back to the second year and couldn't get the money together. I, I was couldn't get approved for anything. So I ended up dropping out of college for financial reasons. Uh, and then I was just like, man, okay, well, Maybe if I can get myself to – because I, I, was, I was already, like, in good shape, but I was like, all right, well, if I can get myself over 200 pounds and looking pretty good, like, whatnot, I was like, maybe I'll go give this – like, give this wrestling thing an honest try. And so that's what I did. Moved myself 400 miles away from my home in Cincinnati, to, to Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, started doing the thing, and it was just pushing forward, never having a chance of giving myself the opportunity to look back – Um. and and just not really knowing how to stop or how to quit. And maybe that's because I didn't really give myself any other options, which maybe in hindsight was a terrible, awful, stupid move. But at the same time, I think it really helped me to keep pushing forward. Uh, So here we find ourselves uh, a few years down the road. And uh, like you said, we're we're talking about going from damn near obscurity up to being one of the hottest, if not the hottest thing going right now in in the, the sports entertainment wrestling business.
2: So how did you develop L.A. Knight? How would you describe him to someone who is uninformed?
3: Um, Just years and years of just doing it. Uh, My thing was always like, I want to make sure that above anything and everything that I can talk a whole lot of trash and then be able to go in and back it up in the ring. Uh, So for me, it was just kind of like, all right, well, (laughs) I I described it this way now, but it wasn't really on purpose necessarily. But, If you took the party version of me, me at a party, and mix it with the argument version of me, me having an argument, uh, that's pretty much what you get uh, with L.A. Night. So it's just taking the, the real elements of me and just turning them all the way up.
2: All right. So your movement has been organic. You came out and you were a guy that didn't necessarily have the crowd on your side. And then you got more and more popular. The crowd started to get more and more tapped in. At what point did you know that you had the crowd and that everything that you had been working for was coming to fruition?
3: Man, you know, low expectations were thrust upon me, but I always had uh, great expectations upon myself. So uh, for me, it was like, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to make you give me the ball. And if you don't give me the ball, I'm going to take it. And that's pretty much what I did. And I think at at some point, you know, uh, being in Washington, D.C., I remember back in March of last year was the first time where I was like, all right, that felt a little different than anything else. But you you can't go off the one-off. At that point, I'm like, all right, well, this could have been a fluke. But then the next week in Pittsburgh, and then the next week in New York, and then the week after that, it just kind of kept going. And by the time we got the money in the bank last year, and we were in London, and that place blew the roof off when my music hit, my guy, uh, you're talking about a whole other feeling to where I knew, all right, I got this.
2: All right. So you've had a couple of title shots most recently uh, at the Royal Rumble and a four way match trying to get that belt off of Roman Reigns. You had AJ Styles. You had Randy Orton in there as well. So where are we now in the journey of L.A. Night and your quest uh, for a championship?
3: Well, the focus doesn't change in that regard. I mean, look, for for me, I want to be the top guy. I want to be the guy to do that. I got to be the, the champion. I got to be the guy, right? So uh, for me, the focus still remains on that. I think if you go back and you look at Royal Rumble, if there's one guy who shined in that whole damn thing, some people might say stole the show. And I'd say, yeah, I think that's what happened. So uh, at the end of the night, it didn't end the way that I wanted it to or needed it to. But sooner or later, there is no doubt in my mind, just like, look, Nobody has to believe it, think it, want it. But at some point, one way or the other, I will be the champ.
2: The new WWE 2K4 game is dropping. And one thing I found interesting about your story, too, you actually used to do motion capture for other wrestlers in the 2K games. How does it feel now to have your own character in the game?
3: Well, I mean, yeah, you're talking about a real uh, uh, a real <laughs> motivating factor there. Because, I mean, it was it was a nice little side job, a little extra paycheck while I was also wrestling in other companies. Uh, but at the same time, I, there were so many times where I was doing these movements for other people, and I'm like, man, this is, I, I should be in this thing instead of doing the movements for these guys. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I did my, my, last, my last run with those guys in like January of 2021, and I'm incredibly appreciative for the time and uh, having that opportunity to do that, and I really kind of became a mainstay. Uh, in that operation Uh, at the same time now that there's nothing better than kind of coming out of the back end of this, having my own character, my own stuff in there. And I think for the 2K24 game that's coming out now, uh, even adding in little special elements like hearing the crowd say it, along with the announcer or whatever, where it's like, L.A. Night, yeah, and you hear the crowd go up for that. So having the little elements like that where it's like I can have my own little special pieces in that game, it's kind of full circle in a way, but it's incredibly crazy to look at.
2: All right, man, so I got to ask, it's one of the biggest stories out there in sports, period. I got to know how L.A. Night feels about this whole Cody, Roman, and Rock saga.
3: It uh, doesn't really make a difference to me. doesn't affect me. I'm not involved in it. I don't care. Uh, if any one of them ends up coming out as the WWE champion, then that's the guy that I'm aiming for. So is it always cool to have a guy like The Rock come in? Sure it is, because now you got a major movie star. You've got a major star just in the world, pop culture icon, you could say. Uh, and so to bring that in, you're bringing in brand and name recognition, to where it might bring in extra eyes from the outside that might not otherwise be there. And if that's the case, okay, I ain't arguing against that, because that means more eyes on me, more eyes on SmackDown, more eyes on everything. Uh, So in that regard, it's not a bad thing. Some people are going to look down on it, some people aren't. Not for everybody, but that's kind of the beauty of what we do is there's a little something for everybody. But at the end of the day, in my regard, it really doesn't make a damn bit of difference to me. If Cody ends up being the champion, Roman Reigns the champion, The Rocks the champion, I'm still gunning for each and every one of them. All
2: right, L.A., before we get out of here, can we get a line about why the fans need to come out and see you at SmackDown in the Spectrum Center, 8 p.m., and end it with a yeah?
3: Well, look, <laughs> look, so many requests here. Uh, look, here, here's the deal. When you're talking about SmackDown, when you're talking about everything that you see on the TV, it's it's an amazing time to watch at home. It's, it's a great show, as you can tell. We are in a boom period where there's so many stars and so much happening. You don't want to miss an episode. But being in the building, feeling that energy. There's nothing like it. I've had friends, girlfriends, family who've never been to a show before, maybe weren't even that into it. And then they got there and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I want to come back and do it again. And that happens so often because there is such an energy in that building. But especially when you add in the man they call the megastar, you're talking about LA night. You're talking about feeling that undeniable Kavorka. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about that energy. There's something for everybody at SmackDown, but especially, there's. L.A. Night for everybody, and you're talking about
2: me. Yeah. All right, L.A. Night, man. We appreciate the time. I'll be out there at the show with my son. We're going to be rowdy, and we're going to be ready to see you come out there and kick some butt, man. Thanks, man, and we'll see you down the road.
3: Thank you, and I'll see everybody at SmackDown in Charlotte. Yeah.
2: All right, man. All right, that was L.A. Night. On the other side, we go to the Live Wire with Josh Fiddy Marlow on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.